Have you ever felt alone, like a failure, or just plain insane while navigating this stage of your life? Don't worry, we have too. And we're here to tell you that you're not alone at all. In fact, we're hoping that no matter what you've experienced or currently going through, we can find someone who's been there too. Someone you can relate to, someone you might wish to connect with, or maybe just someone who can answer your questions. So welcome to Where Joy Blooms, a podcast talking all things pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. I am your host, Britt, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Em. Our aim is to open up those conversations with raw honesty, let you into our lives, and share this journey together. So let's do this. Before we jump into today's episode, we would like to acknowledge the land we meet on today is the traditional land of the Ghana people. We respect their spiritual relationship with their country and their cultural beliefs. We acknowledge the Kaurna people as the custodians of the Adelaide region and pay respects to elders past, present and emerging. Okay guys, welcome back to the podcast today. Today we are joined by Kayla, who is actually my younger sister. Yes, I'm so excited to hear Kayla's story about endo. It sounds like it's a very long-winded journey to get a diagnosis, for sure. Oh, it definitely was, and it's definitely been very unique. I've obviously lived through this scenario with her the entire time, and it's super exciting for her to be able to share her story. She has been waiting to share it patiently, (laughs) (laughs) and her situation is definitely very unique, so hopefully if you are struggling to get an endo diagnosis or you are somebody who suffers with endometriosis yourself, you can relate to this story and hopefully it can help you along the way as well. Yeah, I think it's super, like, you know, important for people to share their stories and what they've been through because, as we know, endo is so hard to diagnose and I feel like there wasn't a lot of chat about it until quite recently where people have started you know, talking about how they have endo and how it took so many years to diagnose and things like that. So I'm super excited for people to listen to everything that she went through and Mm. hopefully it will, yeah, help some other people out. And if they're on that, you know, journey of trying to get a diagnosis, hopefully it will help them ask the right questions. Yeah. Kayla has also said that she is happy to answer any questions that you guys have. If you do have any questions, please flick them through to us and I will let her know and get a response for you as quickly as I can. Yeah. Now, I did just want to say that I, because of my kids and all of that, I told Emily and Kayla to start the chat without me. And so there is a point where I kind of jump on um, and join the conversation and then kind yeah. of go again. So yeah. you'll notice me float in and out. We've tried to make it as seamless as possible, but obviously that's not always the case. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, let's crack on and we hope you enjoy this one. All right, welcome back. We are joined with Kayla today. Now, Kayla's my younger sister and she's actually going to have a chat to us about her endometriosis journey that she's been going through for the last few years. So before we get started, Kayla, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thanks for having me. So I'm Kayla, I'm 25 years old. Um... I'm a dog mum to Winston and I have a beautiful fiance. I work full time um, in disability employment services and I've done that for almost three years now. Oh God, has that really been three years yeah, that you've been doing that it for? It has, yeah, yeah. Oh wow, yeah. I didn't think it had been that long. Prior to that I was a pizza shop gal for nine years. 
so ran a pizza shop i did i actually really enjoyed it fun fact kyla and i actually did work together for a bit too yeah in the restaurant yeah yeah, yeah. we worked in a restaurant that was owned by the same person who owned kayla's peach shop and so she'd come over and she worked with me for a bit as well yeah it was, was the worst thing ever <laughs> <laughs> we don't work very well together <laughs> we don't work well together at all <laughs> um but yes as i said this is my younger sister kayla so I obviously know a lot about your journey. Mm. And I did mention it in another episode with Alana yeah. back a while ago because she has endometriosis and it kind of came up about you in that. And then from there, I was like, we have to get Kayla on. Yeah. And Britt obviously knows you as well. And she knows your bit about your endometriosis journey as yeah. well. And she's even had people asking, are we going to have someone on to talk about oh. it? And I was like, we've got the perfect person. Well, mine is a doozy. So. <laughs> yours, is, yours is about the worst I think I've ever heard. Yeah. And I've got lots of friends that have endo. And I think yours is the worst that yeah. I've heard by a mile. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a... I feel like it's different for everyone. Like, the diagnosis part of it. It's it's just, a, like... It, well, it is different for everyone. Because it's such an uncommon thing. I think it's more common now. But, like, previously, like, no one really spoke about it. No. Like I didn't even know what it was. No, when you were actually getting diagnosed for it, I didn't know what it was at all. Mm, yeah. I had friends that had it, but I didn't know much about it. No. Now I know a lot more about it. But let's go right back to the start of your journey to being diagnosed with endometriosis. When did you notice something wasn't quite right? Did you always have painful periods and things? Yeah, always. I feel like going, like I got my period quite later on in life. Like I think I got it when I was like 13 or 14. I think like... When I was growing up, I was really slim. Like, I was, like, borderline anorexic when I was growing up. Mm. Um, and I feel like I always had really bad, like, abdominal pain and really bad lower back pain. Um, and I don't know who said it to me, like, ages ago. I think someone said, oh, it's because you're thin, you feel the pain more. Which now I hear it, it sounds absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But I believed it at the time because it was like, oh, yeah, fair enough. Because you can't feel someone else's pain. So I was just comparing... I had nothing to compare it to. So I was yeah. like, this must be what everyone else goes through. Mm. So, like, I feel like growing up as well, like, I had really bad... It was like, mum and I were actually speaking about it the other day. I had really bad... They called it growing pains, like, in my legs. And, like, mm. now I think that that was kind of associated with the endo. I just think I just didn't didn't really know what at the it time. Was. Yeah, yeah. And because I was still growing when I got my period. So, obviously, like, it wasn't... I didn't really notice why I didn't keep track of if it was, like, in line with my cycle. But I think now, looking back at it, it probably was, like, to do with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about that. Mm. And Kayla has a really high threshold for pain. I think that's really important. Yeah. Is your threshold for pain, we are completely polar opposites. I'm a little weakling. You are. <laughs> I'm a weakling when it comes to pain. I don't like pain. Kayla is, like the opposite it doesn't yeah it doesn't, it doesn't phase you no, normally so for you to be in a lot of pain it's a lot of pain yeah yeah it is like it's like um like the worst thing i think like when i have really bad flare-ups like like i said i'm good with pain like tattoos don't phase me like i've broken like i've dislocated shoulders through netball i've broken bones like stuff like that you've just kept playing netball never bothered me no. Yeah, you've got an extremely high threshold for pain. So when you're in a lot of pain, it's it's a lot of yeah, pain. Yeah, yeah. So what specific symptoms, I guess, did you have looking back on it now? I suppose it was different when you just thought it was pain, but was there anything specific? Um, Like I had really bad abdominal pain, really bad lower back pain. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, pain, like, sh- would shoot down, like, my thighs. Yeah. As well, which I thought was, you know, normal. But it happened all the time. Like, my leg pain was just, like, horrendous. Like, I wouldn't go to school a lot. Um, like, when I had my period when I was at school. Because I just couldn't, like, the legs, like, my legs were just horrible. Yeah. And, like, Panadol didn't touch. I have a really high tolerance for medications as well. So, the Panadol didn't do anything for me. Yeah. No, your pain... Your reaction to pain medication is like yeah, something else. Yeah. Now, you've had a really, really long road to actually being diagnosed with endometriosis. Mm. It goes back to 2017, is that right? Um. Yeah, yeah. I went to the hospital. I had a really bad... It was a flare-up, like now looking back at it. Um, and I actually ended up getting my appendix taken out because they thought I had appendicitis. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, which oddly, like, makes sense now. So, like, I was really sick, like, I was hunched over, like, I couldn't really stand up. So, mum was like, nah, that's it. They were going to the hospital. I went there, I remember going in, like, we went to a local public hospital. So, it was, like, the longest wait ever. Mm. And, like, nurses just come out and see you in the waiting room to, like, take bloods and stuff like that. So, they took, like, a blood sample while I was out in the waiting room. And I remember saying to mum, I'm like, I think I'm going to pass out. Like, I was sweating, like, profusely. And I'm a sweater, and I was, like, sweaty. Um, and I passed out. And I think yeah. because I passed out, like, and I had, like, a little bit of a seizure, I think, as well. Um, then they rushed me through. Mm. And then because I passed out, they were concerned that I had appendicitis or, like, my appendix had ruptured. Um, so I went and had, like, ultrasounds and stuff like that. And it makes sense now because I couldn't find... They did a, like, on my stomach, an ultrasound. They couldn't find my appendix. Yeah. And then they did an internal ultrasound as well, which was the most pain I've ever been in. Um, and they couldn't find my appendix either. But it kind of makes sense because with endo, like, things stick together. So maybe it was stuck. Yeah, somewhere else. So they couldn't see it. Yeah. So, but then bec- the assumption was because they couldn't see it, it had burst. Yeah. So then I had a surgery, like an appendectomy, to remove my appendix. Because it happened at night, like I had my surgery at like 3am, I think it was. You meant to have a gynecologist when women have abdominal surgeries. Mm -hmm. They didn't have one in the hospital. But because they were concerned that my appendix blew, they said, we'll just do it. So because they were just focused on the appendix, they didn't look at anything else while they were doing the surgery. So then they couldn't, they didn't pick anything else up. It's just like, oh, there's nothing. And then they found the appendix and there was nothing wrong with it. So it was like, oh. Oh, okay. Moving yeah. on. Yeah, like literally, like that's that was it. Like, oh, there's actually nothing wrong with you. Sorry, we put, took your appendix for no reason. <laughs> I remember them saying, didn't they find a worm or something in your appendix? Yeah, gross. Yeah, there was like a little mini, like, ugh, I don't even know what they're called. Because they thought that might have been an issue at some yeah. stage, didn't they? Yeah, so these like little. <laughs> Like, milliworms or whatever they are, like, in my... It was so, like, I don't even think about it. I had, like, worms or something. (laughs) It was so gross. Like, I don't even know where this thing came from, but there was a worm in there. So, after this, what happened then? I obviously know, but it's been such a long-winded journey. (laughs) Yeah. I can't even remember all the stuff that you've done. I remember lots of key parts, but not everything. I feel like from then, like, nothing really got better. Like, I feel like everything, like, all of my symptoms and stuff got, like, significantly worse. I think that kind of, like, kick-started it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I was in pain. Like, I, it took me a long time to recover from my surgery. Like, because I worked six or seven days a week at the pizza shop. Like, I ran a 
a pizza shop on my own, pretty much. Um, I, like, you know, I was a fit girl. I played high-level netball. Um, I actually didn't return to netball after no. I had that surgery. It, like, really struck, like, I really struggled from it, so I couldn't. I tried to go back because in pre-season and I kind of wasn't really myself since. So I actually stopped playing. Um, and then, like, with work, I couldn't wear tight pants. Like, my mum and I were looking at maternity clothes, so something that was looser on my stomach. I wore trackies to work. Yeah. Like, I couldn't wear anything tight. So I think that kind of kicks out that there, there was something obviously still wrong because there was nothing wrong with my appendix. So from there, um, I like, my GP is the best like person ever he like he believed me with everything he was like no like I think there's something wrong so I got sent to specialists upon specialists to go and find out what was wrong and yeah that took I had my surgery in 2017 I didn't get diagnosed until 2019 no 2020 2020. I got diagnosed yeah so it was about three or four years yeah three or four years I reckon that it took you to actually get diagnosed I actually think it was 2021 I was having a look at it the other day um, like, cause I've got like pictures of my surgery and my first surgery I had, yeah, I actually didn't get diagnosed till 2021. Wow. Yeah. That's an insanely long journey. Yeah. Now, as you said, our GP, he's amazing. So he's good. the best. The best. Um, he really pushed multiple avenues to try and figure out what was wrong with you. Yeah. And you had to see a number of specialists. What sort of specialists did you have to see? So I saw a gastroenterologist. Um, who thought I had IBS or Crohn's, so I ended up having a colonoscopy and an endoscopy for to see with that, um, and nothing came up in that. You had to do FODMAP diet as I well for that, didn't you? FODMAP diet for, for, for four months, I think it was, for that, which, like, do not recommend. Not, not cool. <laughs> <laughs> not fun. <laughs> um, and then from there I saw... Oh, I saw another specialist. I can't even remember what it was. And then I saw... An, I ended up seeing a neurologist. Yeah. Um, as well, because of... At this point in, like, my symptoms and stuff, like, my leg pain became severe. Like, I, like my legs were going numb. Like, I fell over at work a couple of times because my legs were just so numb. Like, you couldn't... Like, I couldn't feel them. Yeah. Um, so, they were worried I had MS at yeah. one point as well. Yeah, that's right. So, I had to have, like... MRIs and stuff for that and nothing came up. You had to go to the hospital as well, didn't you, at one stage and have a lumbar puncture? Yeah, yeah. So with the leg pain, like when I remember having a really bad, like I get migraines. I had a really bad migraine and then the leg pain, that's kind of like the first time the leg pain was so bad, like with the numbness. Mm-hmm. Um, good old mum again. We're going back to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh God, all right. So then we went in and they were, they were really worried I had meningitis um like that um disease like that you can have on your brain like the yeah. I don't know what it is but um I had to have a lumbar puncture for that um which was fine which was negative so um then I think my neurologist went well if it's not that mm-hmm. you know what is it so they did my scan and I don't know if it was caused by the lumbar puncture or if it was something else they found a hydromyelia in my spine which is like a pocket that your spinal fluid sits in Mm -hmm. and puts pressure on your spinal cord so they kind of but it wasn't big enough to do anything but they kind of narrowed the numbness down to potentially that yeah 
Um, so then still, like, everything was disregarded, all the other pain. No, that's probably what it is. Um, and then I ended up seeing a physician as well, mm-hmm. which was highly um, recommended to me, like, from other, like, specialists. Go see a physician. They kind of cover everything. Yeah. Um, and they were useless. They told me to go see a psychologist. Oh, yeah, that's right. You had to go to see a psychologist, didn't you? (laughs) She was like, look, we've done ultrasounds upon ultrasounds because the thing with endometriosis is it doesn't come up in ultrasounds. So I feel like it's such a hard space to navigate as a sono because a lot of women come in and they have referrals specifically, you know, querying endometriosis. And I feel like it's really disheartening for them when we then say to them, like, look, ultrasound actually can't diagnose endometriosis. Mm. And they had all of this hope that, like, finally they were going to get, like, an answer and then it kind of, you know, gets shut down. And what I usually say to my patients is that there are specific signs that we look for on ultrasound that could maybe point to endometriosis but Mm -hmm. even if you do have by chance those signs it doesn't mean that you definitely do have endometriosis so yeah it's one of a it's a bit of a hard one and the only way that we can really check those signs properly is to do the internal scan Mm -hmm. um, because what we're looking for is Uh, to see if the ovaries in particular or the uterus are stuck to either each other or the surrounding bowel. Yep. And so the only way we can do that is to apply a little bit of pressure with the internal probe. Yeah, which is the worst. I remember I had an internal ultrasound, like, just before I was diagnosed, I reckon, and she did an internal ultrasound and they, they put heaps of pressure on and, like, it's painful, like, it's heaps painful and like she couldn't find my ovaries that one was stuck like right up where one was heaps far to the right um and she didn't even there was no question about that like she didn't even question that they were stuck somewhere else yeah and it's I feel like you know the fact that it is painful for people is also a bit of a red flag because it shouldn't like you know it's I guess normal to have a bit of tenderness when someone's pushing around inside of you but Mm. Um, it shouldn't really be that painful. So if you're, you know, putting some pressure on an ovary and you can tell that the patient is in discomfort, that should immediately be a red flag. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, one of the things that we kind of grade is, yeah, is it tender, yes or no? And then is the ovary and the uterus, are they mobile? So are they sliding freely on all surfaces? So, Um, sometimes, you know, the ovary might be stuck just on one side to the bowel or it might be stuck on one side to the uterus, but then the other side is fine. Okay. And then another thing that we look for is um, what's called an endometrioma. So these are basically cysts um, that are filled with sort of, uh, I guess, that endometrial kind of tissue. Yeah. And they are a very common thing to see on ovaries of people that have endometriosis. So main things that we look for. Yeah. I don't think I had, I didn't have any cysts or anything because when I had like all of my scans, like nothing, like nothing came up in them. Like it was just the ovaries that were stuck. But I feel like it kind of just went over everyone's head like, well, 
oh well, they're in different places that's weird oh and your yeah. appendix and then yeah i had my appendix removed so then it was like oh like because you've had a surgery maybe the scar tissue that's why things aren't kind of going to where they're meant to be going a yeah bit as well and it's funny because like you know even though we're looking for these signs just because we don't see them it doesn't mean that you don't have endo like um, you know, somebody could have a completely normal ultrasound, but as we know, like we can't actually see endo on ultrasound. So that literally means nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And the fact that you've had a surgery before actually puts you at higher risk. So people that have had like, um, like that have got scars or they've had a C-section or any type of surgery, like endometriosis is very common at the site of surgery. I had, you know, the colonoscopy, the endoscopy, scans upon scans um, and nothing came up. So she was yeah. like, look, like, you know, sometimes your brain can make you like trick yourself into thinking that you're in pain when you're actually not. Yeah. Because we've done so many blood tests and everything and nothing's coming up. So mm. I don't think there's anything wrong with you. You need to go see a psychologist before anything else goes ahead. Um. So like beyond that, like I thought she was useless <laughs> because <laughs> she was trying to unpack my feelings. And I was like, I'm not feeling anything. Like I know that there's something wrong. And she was like, oh, well, you've been referred to me. Like there must be something that's happened. Um, and I said, yeah, I'm in pain. Like no one's believing me that I'm in pain. And she was like, yeah, but sometimes, you know, with ha something's happening in our life that's painful, so it projects into, like, physical pain, and I just could not. Like, I was like, mm, no. So I, th I remember going back to my GP and saying, like, this lady is, like, whack, you know. You're like, this is not the right path for me. I know. I'm like, I've never struggled with depression. I've never struggled with anxiety, like, you know, so to go see a psychologist, I'm like, why am I seeing a psychologist? Like, I don't have anything, you know, psychological wrong with me. Um, yeah. Well, as I said, you've got an extremely high pain threshold. Yeah. So for you to go to the doctor to be in pain, it's a lot of pain. It's not psychological. I know. That's why I was like, so then I, I remember going back to my GP and he was like, look, we haven't even you know, you're a young girl, we haven't even tried the line of, like, a gynecologist, so let's send you to a gynecologist. Yeah. Yeah, and it's frustrating because I feel like, to be honest, that should be the first point of call. Like, if somebody comes into you complaining of, you know, period symptoms and pain and things like that, like, mm -hmm. wouldn't you think that that would be the easiest option to do next I think so but it's like I feel like when I had when I was trying to get diagnosed my pain was I didn't track periods and I was on the pill and I skipped my period like all the time so I couldn't identify it was if it was something with my cycle because I didn't get a period but I still got the pain but because I didn't know when I was meant to be getting my period I actually didn't know so yeah. that it was like in conjunction with my cycle, I feel like. Well, and mm -hmm. I think not having the gynecologist in your appendix surgery, yeah. it may have got picked up a bit earlier if that person had been in there like they were supposed to. Well, they could have checked, yeah. And then, like, the when I got referred and I went and saw, I saw a gynecologist that after I saw my GP through the public system and he has got to be the most useless gynecologist I've ever seen been to in my life it was the worst experience I remember going in he 
um, was like, oh, like, I think you have endometriosis. And that was the first time that anyone had ever said anything to me about it. And he was just a public gynecologist, like, didn't have any, like, he wasn't specialised in any area. Um, and he was like, the only way that you can diagnose it is through a surgery. So let's do a surgery. Um, and I remember going in and doing the surgery. It was the worst experience because it was just a day surgery. Um, they'd done it all like I was in significant amount of pain. The hospital that I went to, unfortunately, I was like hunched over my, you know, the thing that goes in your hand. What is that called? Um, cannula. The cannula was like bleeding everywhere I said to the nurses like sorry I'm bleeding I'm in a lot of pain she was like yeah we'll help you but you need to get up and get changed and I was like I can't get up like I'm like I'm really struggling I was like falling in and out of sleep because I was still like in recovery she was like no you need to get up and get changed because we need your bed for the next patient it was so bad like my cannula was bleeding I was like oh can you just like clean this up so I don't get on my clothes she walked up I could see her like standing and you know, talking to another nurse and she came over and she kind of had a huff and she was like, well, why did you not tell us that your cannula was bleeding? It's hard because, it, yeah, it makes you feel like you're just you're just like another number really and you're not getting that, like, attention and care that you deserve. Like, Literally. Yeah. And, like, I was in so much pain. Like, I had to call my mum to come in and help me get changed because the nurses, that like, flat out refused to help me, um, which is not my mum's job. Like, it should have been, they should have assisted me. Um, and then like beyond that, I remember I had to go in for a two week follow up with my gynecologist and he was like, look, I thought I saw something that looked like endo, but I'm not a specialist in it. So you're going to have to go to someone else. And that's a bit frustrating in itself because you just went through all of this and shouldn't he have kind of said that at the start if he suspected endo and wanted you to have the surgery? Wouldn't you think that he would then refer you to someone that was confident? to diagnose and investigate endo yeah I would have thought so like I didn't I didn't ask any questions he just said I need a surgery to diagnose it so I was like you know this guy seems you know he he said endo straight away he kind of seems to know what he's doing so like he must be confident like you, you wouldn't open someone up for no reason if you weren't confident so um and then like I remember from that it was just so frustrating um uh, because he'd mentioned endo and thought he saw it, I joined a page on Facebook um, and, like, with other girls that were going through the same thing, um, specifically in Adelaide, and I remember someone said something about the specialist I see now through ONG in North Adelaide and everyone highly recommended, go here, go here, like, it's the best. You need private, it's like a private practice, but they're the best. Yeah. Um, and, like, if you wanted to get diagnosed, you have to see an incision specialist, not like a normal gynecologist. They have to be an incision specialist, something like that, like another surgery that I'm going to have to go through and I might not get get what I'm kind of searching for. Yeah. But it was, like, it was so, so horrible. Like, I went in and I spoke to her and she was pretty certain as well that I had endo and I had I had told her that I had another surgery and he thought he saw it. And now with, like, these procedures like routine procedures you have to take photos um especially if you're not clear on the diagnosis or anything like that and she chased the previous surgeon I had been to for months for these photos and it came out and he admitted like oh I actually forgot to take the photos yeah that's crazy like the negligence yeah it was so bad and it was just like so then obviously she had nothing to go off of because you can't have 
another ultrasound to diagnose it. She had to do another surgery. Yeah. 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 Which was just, yeah, I guess more like that first surgery was kind of pointless for you in a way because you had absolutely no proof or proper documentation of anything that happened. Yeah. Yeah. She could, she struggled. Like she couldn't even get a written report out of him. Like at the end she didn't get anything. And she just said to me, she was like, look, he's done the wrong thing. You know, he's not owning up to it. He won't just tell me that. Like, he's just wasting my time. Like, if you're comfortable with it, let's just do another surgery. And I was so hesitant because I had already gone through two surgeries prior, like with my appendix and then with this one. Like, I really didn't want to have another one. But I'd seen her a couple of times and we booked it in. It was way better. Like, it was through a private, like, public hospitals were fantastic as well. But this was through the private hospital it was not a day surgery. Like I stayed in overnight so they could monitor it so I didn't have to rush trying to get up as well because I told her everything that had happened like with my aftercare. Um, so, and she was just in shock like with how they, how they treated me. But she was, yeah, so fantastic. I remember like she had done my surgery. She was so caring as well, like held my hand when I was going to sleep. And then when I woke up, I like went into recovery and I was in so much pain from that as well. I think I had the night to recover and then she came to me the next day with my diagnosis and she like sat at my bedside table and she told me that she found endo. Um, and I remember like being so overwhelmed, like I was so upset and she like cried with me because she was like, I know like what you've been through. I know that you've had to go to psychologists and stuff. And it was just like this, like, finally, like I'm, I'm not crazy. <laughs> yeah yeah and so when she did the procedure did she remove the endo as well yeah she did yep so she you like burn off the endo she said my um ovaries were stuck to my bowels um which is quite uncommon like it is common but doesn't happen to everyone and she said she was like there was so much that I had to remove she was like I don't know how the guy didn't see it she was like and I don't know how you work full-time she was like the fact that how much there was she said you should have been like bedridden mm-hmm. I think yes. that says a lot about your pain threshold as well if you were in so much pain and she's going you should have been bedridden how much you actually do tolerate pain wise I work full time like I work seven I work seven days a week yeah. yeah and I think that's what people don't understand is just how debilitating endo can be like you know we, there's a lot of women that are calling in sick because they physically cannot go to work because of the pain um and no one understands like no because yeah. you don't look sick like what I got and I got it so much was if I called in sick for two days and I'd come back it was well you don't look sick yeah, and I was like, no, I like I'm not physically like I haven't broken my arm or anything like that. Like I feel horrible. Like I can't stand up straight. Like I've, you know, I look like I'm nine months pregnant. I can't wear pants because it puts too much pressure on my stomach. Like you just can't do anything. Yeah. What's funny because we actually took a photo. I think at one stage while I was pregnant, and you looked pregnant and I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I have heaps, it's insane. I have heaps of photos. Like, I'm happy to share them with you guys. Like, from what I look like, like I showed um, and just before and doing 75 hard at the moment and I, like, have to take progress pictures every day and I'd taken a progress picture yesterday and then I took one, um, oh, yeah, the day before that and, the like, the difference in, like, one day because I had a flare-up really bad. Mm-hmm. I literally looked, like, 10 months pregnant. It was insane. Yeah. 
You probably already mentioned this to Emily earlier, but what symptoms did you have? Like what were your main symptoms for endo? Um, So really bad abdominal pain, um, really bad lower back pain, and then I get really numb legs. Mm -hmm. So like I was at a point where like my legs are so bad that I was like falling over. Yep. And then obviously like bloating and things like that. Yeah, yeah, which I thought was, you know, like, because I was, like, super skinny when I was, you know, younger. Like, I would bloat. I wasn't, I don't think I bloated as bad as I do now. Like, I think it's getting worse, like, now. Um, But, yeah, I would get bloated, like, when I had my period and it was just, yeah, that's normal. That happens to everyone sort of thing. Um, But I'm on things now, like, for my, like, symptoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we go back to surgery? Because they obviously found endo. There was yeah. other stuff they found, though. Yeah, so part of my surgery is because obviously endo like affects your ovaries and your tubes as well, as well as your uterus. They kind of explore everything. And because mine was stuck, or one was stuck to my bowel, she was, my surgeon said, like, I'll just check them. Like, I'll you can do a diet test where you put in some dye and it shows the flow, whether everything's flowing so I have one tube that's doesn't flow at all so I don't have like I can't get any eggs out of one ovary yeah and how did that make you feel I know that obviously at that stage in your life you probably weren't you know planning on having a baby anytime soon but now you're engaged I'm assuming that you want to have kids eventually oh I I would have a baby now if if it wasn't (laughs) Just solely up to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like back then, did did that really sting hearing that? Did you did things start to cross your mind like, oh my God, am I gonna be able to have kids? Yeah. I remember asking her and I was like, So what does this mean? Like I've only got one left. Like, you know, can I even have kids? And she was like, I have so many women that, you know, only have one ovary, like I've had to remove them. Um so, you know, you would be able to have kids with one ovary. But obviously there's the risk then because, you know, what if something happens to that one? But my ovary itself is okay. It's just the tube. So if I wanted to, they could take eggs, like I could freeze eggs from that ovary because like, they're not going anywhere. Um, yeah. They just can't get through the tube. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully your other ovary and tube will make up for all of that and you'll have no troubles there. I hope so. So she said, you know, it happens, like this happens, but I have so many people that, you know, they go through, you know, they only have one ovary that actually works. Like you're lucky it's just your tube. So, you know, there's other things about it. But like freezing eggs and stuff as well is is a huge process. So I had thought about doing that a few times, but... Um, very expensive process as well. Yes, I looked into it. I got it all priced up and it was going to cost me about $17,000. Yeah, it is a pretty expensive process. And it's grueling on your body as well. Like you've got to, you know, you've got to do injections and stuff like that for it as well. Yeah, that's right. It's very like physically and mentally, you know, taxing for you. Like it's a big process to go through. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, I just think for me... I'd rather just see kind of what happens first and then like we can kind of cross that bridge I suppose when we when we get to it but at this at this point I think I'm like quite content that I'm optimistic that yeah I won't have any trouble (laughs) yeah no that's good I think that's a good way to be too 
yeah yeah it kind of needs to like I feel like your mentality like affects everything especially when you're trying to conceive and stuff like that I think for I know sure gynecologist spoke to you didn't they that if you were potentially to have a baby it would help your symptoms yeah like a lot of people actually like kind of cures them in a way like having kids kind of cures them it doesn't necessarily go away but it makes it the growth stops like significantly um so yeah actually helps quite a lot like, a lot yeah. of people like I know my my mother-in-law she she had endometriosis and she um when she had kids it was it was gone after she had kids yeah I have heard that I've heard that pregnancy can help with it and yeah it can make your symptoms uh yeah not as bad and things like that as well yeah well that's what I keep saying to my partner this is why we need to have babies like think about me and think about my pain if we have babies it will go away (laughs) yeah Now that you've got a diagnosis, what I guess is the treatment or the management process for the pain? Because obviously it's not potentially going to stop for a while. So what are they doing to manage it? So originally I was on the pill. So like when I was told, when I first went on the pill, I was told I had to get my period at least four times a year, like once a quarter. And then that was safe. So when I went in to see my gynecologist, she was like, no, take it constantly. Like, don't ever get your period because when you get your period, it's that's when it grows. Um, and then from that, I was super bad at taking my pill. Like, I constantly forgot it. So she said, like, you know what, while you're under, like, when I got my diagnosis surgery, she was like, why don't I put, a, like, IUD and marina in? Then you don't have to think about it. It's significantly slows down the growth like proven that that helps more than the pill um so let's do that and I was like oh I was under so might as well like I don't have to think about taking it so um I got one of those put in um and beyond that it actually I still got my period like even with my ID so I took a pill on top of that yeah um (laughs) to stop that um and then the leg pain continued so I got put on a it's an old school antidepressant which was like now I'm like I get really annoyed about it because I like bang on all the time about like I'm not depressed I don't need an antidepressant but they use it for nerve pain so I take that every day for nerve pain um and but I had I went and saw her I reckon about six months ago and I said something to her, I don't particularly like to take heaps of medication. And I said to her, like, I, you know, I don't really want to take the pill on top of it because, you know, I am consciously thinking about having kids and I don't really want that sort of stuff in my bloodstream. Um, So she ended up putting in two marinas at once. So I have two marinas in at the moment. Oh my gosh, how crazy. I know. I, like everyone I speak to about it had never heard of it before. Yeah, like, I don't I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, my GP didn't know. He spoke to all the doctors in his practice. No one had ever heard of it. She had only done it to one other person that had the same kind of amount that I had. Um and it was heaps better because I had a lot of spotting as well. Like when I like it would break through constantly and she was like, This will just stop her. So I had to go under, like I didn't have a like a surgery or anything. I just had to be put under general anaesthetic so then she could kind of manoeuvre them into place. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's been honestly the best thing that I've had because I haven't really got any pain. I mean, up until now, I got them in last February. Um, but they just think I have. Because they move um, a bit, like obviously like 
sorry, TMI, like when you're having intercourse and stuff, they they move. Um, and I think that it's moved a little bit that they're kind of hitting the edge of my uterus, so it's causing an infection. Yeah. So I need to go and have them taken out and removed, like removed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, get them reviewed and see what's going on there. Yeah, so, but honestly, that was the best thing I think that she had done was the two in. It was just, like, made everything better. Like, everything stopped hurting as bad. Like, it was just heaps better. I haven't, I'd never got my period. I came off the pill. I came off the, the like, it's called amitriphaline that I take for the nerve pain. I've come off of that now as well. Um, and I don't really get a lot of leg pain now with the two marinas in. So it was like the best thing that I think she could have done for me. Wow. Yeah, that's really interesting. Like whatever works though, hey. Different for everyone. Like she said, she has people that have the pill and have taken the pill for the last few years and they love it. Like it works for them. They never get breakthrough periods or anything like that. So um, yeah, yeah, that's it. Great yeah. for her. So, but it's yeah it's different for everyone I just feel like the marina is like I don't know like it yeah it's just worked for me but I have friends that have endo as well like friends that I've got since I've had my diagnosis that have the marina and absolutely hate it so yeah I'm not the biggest fan of mine no like <laughs> I don't really love mine I love mine she's so good the it's yeah, it's cool. so strange and funny how, like, different contraceptions affect people differently and everyone has their own preferences. So, yeah, it's just whatever works best for your body, I think. Yeah. This has been a hot topic in mine, Brits and B's group chat for the last, like, <laughs> few weeks. Yeah. It's about contraception. Oh, really? I highly recommend a marina. Like, I know you don't, but I love mine. I don't think about I'm a super disorganised person in some aspects of my life and medication is one of them. I don't have to remember to take my pill. I like that portion of it. I like the not having to remember things portion. Um, I just don't love the effect it has on my body. If I, yeah, I feel like if I'm honest as well, like with the marina, like I feel like I've gained a little weight and stuff from it as well, which I personally don't like. But um, like that's been a huge side effect for, for me, and especially having two. You've got like double the dosage, like getting fatter by the minute i guess though you, you've got to weigh up like what like what's worse like being in chronic pain or having a little bit of extra weight on i would definitely yeah prefer to be a little bit juicier than um you know being in pain so yeah that's right that's right so yeah it's just everything's in perspective and i guess you've got to do what works for you and what's best for you in yeah. in that moment yeah yeah I forgot to mention before as well, I think, like, a symptom for me as well has been, like, pain during, like, intercourse. That's a huge thing. Oh, yeah. Hey. Huge thing for me. It really hurts. Like, not always, but, like, a lot of the time, like, it hurts. Well, yeah. you had to go see a pelvic floor specialist as well, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because she thinks that my pelvic floor is not strong enough, so then you got to do, like, exercises, you got to, like, suck in and push out and stuff like that to like try and work it but that doesn't I feel like that hasn't helped me heaps yeah and I feel like that symptom a lot of people kind of like I guess just don't take it as seriously because they think oh that's not much of a big deal but it is actually like a pretty big thing because you know you don't want to have to be experiencing pain when you're having sex and that puts then a strain on your relationship as well because that's something that you guys want to enjoy together 
And, you know, if you're not particularly enjoying it, then you're not going to want to do it. And then obviously that then has like a bit of a domino effect into the relationship and, yeah, that's just not what you want. Yeah, exactly. I feel like it affected my last relationship a little bit, but I feel like my fiancé now, like, is just, like, so amazing with it. Like, if I say to him, I'm sore, even if I want to, like, because sometimes, you know, you want to, um, he's like, no, like, it's just going to make you worse. Like, he's so <laughs> he's so great with it. Like, and he just, like, fully understands um like with the pain and stuff like that like if I'm if I'm sore like it, there's nothing he won't get annoyed or anything about it like he's just the best person yeah that, I think yeah that's really good and I guess like sometimes it's nice to to be able to have like different moments or different ways that you can connect that don't involve sex as well mm, yeah I feel like it's like kind of forced us to do a lot more stuff together like rather than like being intimate in that way like what other things can we do can we have like spend some time together can we have dinner can like even like something as simple as like having a shower together or something like that like it's just just, like little bits and pieces that you can do rather than sex yeah your love language is definitely acts of service you love people doing stuff for you (laughs) (laughs) Kayla's gonna be the bossiest person alive she's been bossing (laughs) around since the moment she was born and I can relate to that I'm also bossy She's just such an active service person. And Ash really is like, he just does that for you. Like, he's like, are you all right? I'll heat up your wheat bag. Do you want a glass of water? He like goats on Taylor. He's the most amazing person. Like, I just, you know, if I'm at work, because like, I don't really have many days off of work for it. I do have days off, like, if I'm really bad, but. Most of the time, like, my boss, like, my boss is so fantastic. They bought beanbags so I can, like, lay on my beanbag when I'm sore so I don't have to sit on my chair. He's like, you work from home before as well, hey? Yeah, I work from home, which is not a common thing, like, with the company that I work for. Um, But, like, if I'm really bad, I will, like, say something to Ash, like, I'm really sore, like, I can't do this. And I'll come home and, you know, my painkillers will be on my side table with my water bottle. My heat bag's already warmed up. He'll have my TV show on ready. No, Like, it's the cutest. He's just the best thing. Yeah, that's so nice. And I think it's so important to have, you know, that support system. Like, you know, your work is aware and they're so supportive of it. Your partner's supportive. Like, yeah, it just makes all the difference. Yeah, I'm super open about it as well. Like, I'll, I'll, like, you know, people that I work with know I have it. So, like, the, and I think you kind of have to be like, I understand that people are, they like to keep that sort of stuff private. I'm an open book and I feel like it's definitely helped me with work because otherwise it just looks like sometimes, like, when you call in sick and, you know, when you call in sick and you don't sound sick because you're not sick, like, I don't have a flu or anything like that. If I didn't disclose, my medical condition to my boss I feel like I would have looked you know lazy or like, unreliable stuff like that so you kind of have to make people aware of it mm. yeah well. and I think it's important to note like in your job you work to help people get jobs who are currently unable to work or you know are trying to enter back into the workforce or on job keeper payments and things like that you've got clients that have endo that aren't working yeah like it is it's like that debilitating astonishing to me like but I feel like it helps people as well like I have a few women on my caseload or have, were on my caseload that had endometriosis as a like because I work for a disability employment services provider 
um that have endometriosis as a main disability and I just find it so funny because it's not like I you know wear a banner like that I have endometriosis like people that need to know know so I have women that come in and like you don't know how I feel <laughs> you know I've got this I can't work you don't understand stuff like that so you I feel like it's just changing your perspective a little bit on it so then like when I disclose it because I do disclose it to the women that have it um, yeah, so like, then yeah. you can feel like you can relate to them. Yeah, and I feel like it's helped. Like I have a, a client who she has really struggled as well. Like it's this very similar story, I feel like, to me. Um, and she came in like against it. I can't work. You don't understand. Like I really can't do anything. And then I think when I disclose to her, you know, I have it too. And like mine's significantly bad as well. Like disclosing that's where like she works full time now. And she was not going to work. Like, she was adamant. I can't work full time. You've really inspired other people. Yeah. Mm. Like, I think, like, doing what I do, I think it does. Like, it's just helped a few people. Like, and you've got to be, like, I feel like being open about it as well has definitely helped. Mm. And honestly, I feel like that's one of the best things that you can do. Like, if you have a specific health condition or you've been through something, um, you know, everyone's obviously different and some people don't like to share parts of their private life with other people. But I think being open about things and talking about your experiences can really help others. Like it inspires others, it motivates others, and it might make them ask questions to, to their health professionals of, you know, maybe I have this, like, can this be investigated or can I try having two mm. marinas in and things like that? Yeah, exactly. I feel like it's just a, a swap of, of mindset. I think like when I, I feel like when I was trying to get diagnosed, I let things slip in life. Like it's so easy to do it. Like, like I said before, like I played high level netball and I let that go very quickly. One, I think I didn't enjoy it as much anymore. Um, but I, yeah, I let that go because I had other priorities. Like I had to focus on work and with the way that my body was going, I couldn't do both. Like I had to focus on something and I had to focus on work, but even work suffered. Like when I was trying to get diagnosed, like my boss got so annoyed at me because I couldn't be there half the time. I think it's just a change in mindset. Like I think that kind of just push through it and, and if you disclose it to people, like I think it just changes. But like making people more aware of it, yeah, definitely. I feel like has definitely helped me. Yeah. I think even then when you gave netball away, lots of people didn't understand. Kayla's being a bit modest, I think, with netball. <laughs> Kayla played a very elite level netball. Yeah. A very elite level yeah. netball. And she lots of people knew who you were. And when you weren't playing anymore, lots of people would be like, but your sister used to play. She used to play very highly. Like, why isn't she playing anymore? And people didn't really understand that it was like a chronic pain thing. And thought you were just being lazy. Oh, even my friends from Nepal, I feel like, didn't really get it. Because I feel like you don't know unless you've... And I feel like that's such a bad statement to throw in there. But unless you go through it, you don't really know. Like, and I don't think people understand much unless you're going through it, really. There's definitely the exception of the people that get it. And, like, maybe around people that have it, I think, maybe understand it a little bit more. But if you're not really aware of it, like yeah I used to have you know I lost friends I feel like from netball because they just didn't they just thought I was lazy and then because yeah. I didn't do much like I didn't go to the gym and I wasn't playing netball then I got a bit chubbier and then because my friends were super skinny as well like that I lost friends like I did I lost friends from it yeah yep it really impacted your life in more ways than than just you know you being in pain yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. so you're not chubby at all shut up 
like <laughs> I know like for you know I know like on you know compared yeah I know I'm not chubby but like for me I'm chubbier than I what I guess now that we're kind of nearing the end we know you obviously want kids I know you want kids <laughs> yeah <laughs> pretty badly kind of what happens now have you spoken to your gynecologist gynecologist about what comes next now that you want to potentially have children soon and what steps do you have to go to now to get to that point I guess um yeah I like a I make it very known that I want kids soon um (laughs) but you know I'm trying to be patient for Ash um like I've spoken to her about it I, I think it's way better for me to not be on the pill because it's like as soon as you take your marinas out, they're out. Like you could just wait for a cycle and then you can start trying. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like, yeah, the pill you can't. So I've come off of, I don't take the pill anymore. I've actually stopped taking my amitriphaline because that's something that you have to wean off of. It affects your mood, like being an old school antidepressant as well. So, and you can't conceive when you're taking that. Yeah. So I stopped taking that a little while ago, not because I wanted to start trying, because obviously I'm like I'm super safe with two marinas in. <laughs> yeah. Um but I I just wanted to come off of it because then when I was ready it's not like I had to go through that process. Of weaning off of it. Yeah, so yeah. now I just need to get my marinas taken out. I need to I can't go through the public system. I have to go through my gynecologist, like mm-hmm. when with care and stuff like that, because she would have to monitor quite closely because I mean I know you're at a higher risk of you know miscarriage or not conceiving stuff like that so you'll be automatically deemed a high risk patient yeah so she has to monitor it the whole way through okay so we have to go through a private obstetrician and things as well so she's an obstetrician oh so so she's an obstetrician and a gynecologist yeah incision specialist she's a all-rounder lady so she does everything she'll do everything oh wow perfect yeah so and I feel like I'll be better going with her anyway because I've like, we've got that trust and we've got that relationship now, obviously, because of, like, what I've been through with her. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really want to go to anyone else. You'll hopefully have a really nice experience then when mm. it does eventually happen for you. Yeah. I know this was something you were really worried about, was not being able to have kids. You even asked a psychic, didn't you, if you could have them? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I was a bit nervous. But if I'm, you know, if I can't have kids, it's, like, kind of, you know, you might have to be my surrogate because you're super fertile, obviously. <laughs> yeah, apparently um, I'm very fertile. <laughs> so you might have to have my babies. But, no, nah, I feel like whatever's going to happen is going to happen. I'm trying not to put too much pressure on it because I know, like, mm-hmm. you know, with your mindset and stuff, I think it does definitely change, like, you having kids. So, mm-hmm. Um, kind of what will happen is what will happen. Now you've got a lot to look forward to, moving out, a wedding. Finally. Yeah, well, I don't think the wedding will happen for a little bit. Well, if you ask me, it will happen next year, but if you ask Ash, it will be something different. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I think there's heaps to, heaps to look forward to. I think it's just something that's, it's like I've, we're hyper aware that it will probably take a little bit longer to fall mm-hmm. pregnant, so. Yeah. Um, I think we're just, you know, if we decide that we want kids in a year, we might have to start trying, you know, in six oh, months yeah. time, like, cause it might yeah. take some time and, and you've got to try for, you know, a year before you can even go through something like IVF or a fertility, a fertility, fertility specialist. Yeah. So you've got to go through a year of trying. So I'm hyper aware that, you know, if we start trying now, if it takes us a year, then it might take us a whole nother year. Like it could take me five years to fall pregnant. So yeah, I'm just a bit, you know, conscious of that, I suppose. Yeah, that time, body clock mindset. Yeah. yeah, like I want two kids, so I don't want to have kids at, you know, 35. Yeah. Like I want 
Yeah, I'm 25. I want kids at, you know, 26, 27, so. Yeah. Yeah, so it's coming up to the point where you want to start thinking about it and now that I guess you've weaned off of that antidepressant Mm. for the nerve pain, it should hopefully be smooth sailing to get marinas out and then that process will hopefully be easier now that you've weaned off the extra medication. Yeah, the only thing I worry about, I suppose, with, you know trying is that I have to get my marinas taken out which is obviously a conscious thing like what if it takes me a year two years to fall pregnant there's a whole year or two years that I'm going to get my period I'm going to go through the same debilitating pain pain that I was in before like that I've just come out of so it's like you know I've been super stable for a few years now like now I'm going to have to fall back into Mm -hmm. that and like it's gonna I feel like mentally it's going to be really challenging yeah definitely like so with the pain medication you're on, as we said before, you have a really high tolerance with pain medication yeah. and Panadol doesn't touch you. Again, we're very different like that. In fact, mum's got a very high she does. tolerance with pain medication, whereas I could take something stronger than Panadol and I'll be asleep all night. <laughs> you're very different. Kayla is on pretty extreme pain medication because... Yeah, yeah like to get to, to go to work, I remember I, I went into my GP the other day Um so I have panadine for quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, just to get through my day, I have to have it most yeah. of the time. Because, so then I go through that quite a lot. And I'm hyper aware that it's, like, a highly addictive drug. So, like, obviously you've got to be cautious when you're having it as well. Mm-hmm. My GP is so good that he will monitor it. If I feel if he feels like I'm it's taking much. too much, he'll let me know. Um, like, I'm in constant contact with him. But in saying that, like, I feel like if I was addicted to it, I wouldn't have you know, two a day and that would be it. Like I would be and having be more than that. A lot more than that, yeah. But like when I'm sore, like, and if I have a, a week where I'm really bad, like I'll go through, you know, six of them a day, like yeah. a week. So yeah. you think that's like a whole script that someone might have for months and I go through it in, you know, a week. Well, and you've had to take medication that's stronger than that before. Yeah, I take, you know, endone, I have polexia when it's really bad as well because your body obviously gets used to, Having the pain in for if you have it constantly, mm-hmm. so then like a stronger medication as well. Um, so yeah, it's will that will you have to start weaning off of that sort of medication? Have you spoken to the GP about yeah. if that will affect your it will conceiving? So, will you be yeah. able? You won't obviously be able to take no. it because when you're pregnant, like I couldn't take Nurofen, and Nurofen's what helps with my migraines. Yeah. No, um, I can't take any of it. No. So, so I'm hoping when I'm pregnant, I'm not going to get the pain. <laughs> um, but, like, even when trying to conceive, like, having pain for constantly can affect it. So, like, yeah. I'm going to have to stop taking it. So it's going to be super hard. I'm yeah. hyper aware of that. Like, then I'm going to have to full, like, you know, come off of that sort of stuff. But it's... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not, I mean, really, I'm our, not really looking forward to that. Our GP's amazing, so I'm sure he'll help you however we can. We've seen our GP since we were babies. Yeah, he knows me so well. So it's yeah. like, I feel like that's comforting. That And, like, even with my specialist as well, like, she's she obviously knows the painkillers that I have to take. Um, so she's, you know, she's aware of that as well. So there's safe medications for why mm-hmm. you're pregnant to deal with pain. So she's kind of, like, having a look at that sort of stuff as well. So both of them are amazing in that respect. That yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully I won't be in pain for too long. Well, I'm hoping I will get pregnant on the first try, but doesn't really happen that way. No. It's very unpredictable. <laughs> very unpredictable, that's for sure. I mean, just even talking to all the people that we've spoken to on the podcast so far, 
it is insane how many people's birth stories are so oh, different. I know. So. so different. It's definitely not straightforward, I think, for anybody. No, I have a I have a, a girl that I work with who's who's nearing the end of her pregnancy now. It mm. took her a really long time to fall it pregnant did, as well. She's got PCOS, so um yeah. Um hyper aware it might take a bit of time. Yeah, so. definitely. Well, thank you for chatting with us. It's been so good. Well, I've obviously known your whole story, but it's actually a nice refresher. Yeah. I think we've gone, I've been with you the whole process, obviously, yeah. being your sibling, that I forgot just how many things no. had happened in that span of time. I mean, well, now, since you started to now, it's been, what, seven years? Seven years, I know. So, in that crazy. seven years, I even forgot <laughs> stuff, so it's good to have a refresher, but I think it'd be very beneficial for our listeners to hear your story especially if they're currently trying to get diagnosed Mm. there is light at the end of the tunnel yeah I feel like you just gotta like I feel like my biggest piece of advice is just if you feel like there's something wrong like pursue it like you're the one that knows your body more than anything like yes you gotta take on advice of you know medical professionals but you're the one that knows like I think because I was persistent and I knew that there was something wrong that's how I got diagnosed but I know a lot of people that it took them you know longer than me because they kind of you know you believe what your medical professionals tell you so they say that there's nothing wrong you kind of believe that so like if you feel your gut and advocate for yourself if you feel like you've got you know, something wrong, like, go for it, like, and really push to be heard and to get diagnosed because it, it does take a long time and I feel like mentally prepare yourself that it is not going to happen overnight. No. <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, and, like, monitor your symptoms as well. Like, you, you know your own body more better than anyone. Like, mm-hmm. if you have got severe symptoms, like pain with sex, stuff like that, like, go, it's worth just to go have a, a checkup. Yeah, just get things looked at. Yeah, but so, but if anyone's got any questions, I'm more than happy to to answer them, and I'll send you the pics as well. Yeah, on my stomach. So, if you've got any questions, feel free to send them through on Instagram or via email. We do have people sending us emails, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. So, if you want us to answer any questions, feel free to do that. We'll even put a question box on Spotify, so you can drop some questions or comments on Spotify for us. We're happy to read and get Kayla to answer them. Mm. If you've got any questions for Britt about sonography and the ultrasound process with endo, feel free to drop those as well. I'm sure Britt's happy to answer them as well. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Perfect. Happy to to answer anything. I'm an avid listener, so I'll I'll definitely be keeping an eye on the the questions and stuff. Kayla was not into podcasts, and then I don't know. I think it was you driving to Gadina that you started getting into them a bit more. I did. And then as soon as we started it, Kayla's like, I'm listening to your podcast. I've listened to every episode, so it's kind of cool to to be on the pod now. I know. When I asked you, you were like, yes, please let me have one. I wanted to ask you guys to go on it, but I didn't want to, like, intrude. We've actually, we've had lots of people ask to come on it, and we've got a few people lined up, ready to go. Mm. But their episodes just cannot be recorded yet. That's okay. But... So keen to have you on. So thank you for coming to talk about it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode, guys. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review and follow us if you're not already doing so. If you have a topic you want us to discuss or you want to share your story with us, please let us know by sending us an email or messaging us on Instagram. All the links for this will be listed in our description box and we will see you next week. Bye.